Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. For some reason, you can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the man who's the PJ Tucker of Beard Combs, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Yeah, I mean, you, when I when I was traveling for work, it was tough. I had a suitcase just for just for beard combs, um, thousand different varieties. No, I uh, I take that as a compliment. Anything that involves PJ Tucker is a compliment. We he's he's on so many different lists. Best dress. Um, we've often said on this podcast, guy you would pick to be um, your brawler next to you in a dark alley. Um, just simply coolest, the most unlikely NBA um, like long and 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 productive career uh you know i i i uh i will take that comparison h-town uh finest pj tucker good friend of uh, the pod good friend of uh vince young i mean guys living living right i mean he's also the most likely to get a new tv installed in his uh nba bubble room but that's neither here nor there 60 pairs of shoes taken with him for a couple of months stay in uh at Disney World, which which seems, I don't want to say excessive because if I if I was a professional athlete, I would probably have that that number of shoes available to me. But to have that number of shoes available to me while traveling seems a bit excessive. I mean, he brings swag wherever he goes. You a bubble cannot contain the amount of swag that that exists inside of. Uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, I don't even know what PJ stands for. Uh, Pierre Jr. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, PJ Tucker. Also, PJ very upset that there will not be the pregame tunnels before the game for him to do his little fashion walk. But that's neither here nor there. So we are theoretically 51 days away from football, even though things are not trending in the right direction. We're going to continue to preview these things as if football was happening because, well, I'm a man of faith and I want to continue to have faith that we'll have football this fall. And so we are on to Texas tech in our series of season previews. And so we have the pleasure of welcoming on the man with the best name, I think in all of big 12 sports media, uh, Albie Shore of Viva the Matadors, man. Albie, how are you doing today, brother? What is up? I appreciate that. I've been trying to tell people how great my Twitter name, my media name is. And I'm glad you recognize it. It's it. I, I can't think of a better one. Like off the top of my head, I can't. I can't come up with one. Mattis Bear is pretty good. I don't oh, know if he counts. Mattis Bear is pretty good. It's not bad, but it's no Albie Al the Magic Dragon we have here with us today on the uh, on the podcast. Man, you ready to talk some Texas Tech football? I'm ready. I'm ready to not really talk good things about Texas Tech football, but I'm ready to talk it. That's it's fine. It's it's fine. So um, year one of the Matt Wells era was. Uh, not quite up to standard. Uh, finished the season four and eight. Now I will say, uh, four of those losses were by a field goal or less, which absolutely sucks to see. And I'm sorry, uh, but as you look at 2020 and, and again a theoretical football season, if football happens, do you think that Tech has what it takes to capitalize on those close games and kind of turn the corner? Or are you expecting more of the same? So you so. 
Usually the answer would be yes. Like, well, you know, we had so many close games, didn't go our way. I think we were like the second worst team in close games in the country last year, right? Like, usually you would say, and actually Baylor was the best, which just absolutely infuriates me. But, um, you know, uh, usually the answer would be, yeah, you know, next year we'll come back, we'll capitalize on these, we'll win at least half of those games, and we'll have a much better record. But here's the thing. We've been through this. Cliff Kingsbury did it every other year. He lost every close game possible. So why would I? So I, I guess you should – like I should say, well, Matt Wells is different. He's going to turn around. But his first year didn't prove anything, right? So I, I, I'm – personally wasn't a fan of the Matt Wells hire. There's about maybe eight guys I would have rather had than Matt Wells. Um, but I gave him a chance. I even – I think – I wasn't sure if it was on your podcast or some other podcast. I even moved it up to a 6-6 six and six prediction thinking when I was totally down on him. And you know what he did? You know how he rewarded me for my six and six predictions? Even worse than I originally thought he would do. So I don't know if he has – the answer is I don't know if he has what it takes to capitalize on his close games. Technically, you would think he does. But at the same time, you know, we – so many times when it came to, to Cliff Kingsbury especially, and really Tommy Coverville too, those close games didn't go our way. So there's no reason to believe that all of a sudden Matt Wells, who lost close games at Utah State too, We'll just turn it around like that. I'm, I'm expecting more of the same. Now, I'm trying to avoid Tommy Tuberville Vuss on fire <laughs> jokes, but I do have to slide one in there. Uh, but on to something a little more serious. <laughs> no, I, I will say that, I mean, you, you, I, I appreciate I think Texas fans will also appreciate your, uh, your, your dose, of, dose of realism, if not pessimism. But, uh, you know, looking at it, right, the the schedule if in this hypothetical we're talking about where we do play all of the games, look like Tech had the, the I don't say weakest, I guess, strength of schedule um, this year for, for in the Big 12. So there's a chance you could come in, you know, on some momentum with your with your pre-Big 12 games. Let, let me just ask you this. So you've already said what you've said. Let's say uh, Matt Wells wins out um, the, the preseason, uh, does pretty well, at least 500 ball in the Big 12, gets to Eight, let's say nine wins. How how many wins does it take for you to change the name of the website to Viva the Matwells? Not, not nine wins. Where who from who? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a theoretical number for Viva the Matwells? For Viva the Matwells? Uh, <laughs> sheesh! It's like Big Twelve um, championship or bust for that, huh? I, yeah, I would have. I mean, actually, no. You know, yeah, it would have to be a Big Twelve championship. But, you know, I'm going to say that only because there's no way in hell this team is winning a Big 12 championship. No well, way in hell. I don't even know if he can win a Big 12 championship, period. Nevertheless, next year. Fair enough. Fair, let, let's talk about why we think that is. Because I think Gerald and I have our own conversations. And we think Alan Bowman coming into his redshirt sophomore year shows a lot of promise, you know, besides – Freak injuries, um, you know, but he, he could be one of the better quarterbacks, we think, in the Big 12. Um, I mean, what are your expectations of him coming into the third year, again, assuming he could stay healthy? I'll be honest with you, and a lot of people um, are looking at Alan Bowman because his freshman year was really good, right? His freshman year, like I look at him, I look at Brock Purdy. Both of them had very similar freshman years. Brock Purdy had a strong sophomore year, which now, now you look at Brock Purdy and say he's, you know, uh, potential to be the Big 12 player of the year next year. And Alan Bowman barely played, right? But I, but the problem also was Alan Bowman, when he played, even before he got hurt, didn't look that good. Like, Alan Bowman looks a lot like a Cliff Kingsbury quarterback, and I don't know if he's a Matt Wells quarterback. Who I do think is a Matt Wells quarterback is Maverick McIver, who was a true freshman last year, who, being a true freshman, was the backup. He actually – he was 
um, he he was the primary backer before he got hurt, right? And then he had a redshirt. Uh, he had a redshirt himself. I actually think there's I don't know for sure, but I think there's a very 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 good chance we have a um, uh, Pat Mahomes. Um, uh, damn it, I'm old, so I forgot this person's name already. Um, Cal quarterback. Oh, what was his name? Picture his face. Yeah, I oh, I have his whole Davis Webb. Sorry, well, I can I easily say... see a Davis Webb Patrick Mahomes situation where McIver takes over for Alan Bowman, whether it's through competition or Alan Bowman once again getting hurt because he tripped down the stairs. So um, I I don't really have a lot of expect, expectations for Alan Bowman. I really want to see if he if he is the guy to be honest, because like I said before, he got hurt. He didn't look that good. So I I know on the outside looking in, everybody's just looking at his freshman year. But I'm kind of looking at the games he played his sophomore year, and they didn't give me any confidence. And, again, I think we also have to prove that Alan Bowman can make it through 12 games before we can even have a conversation about that again. You know what? This is going to be a weird year regardless, so we can see. Now, at wide receiver, the tech is returning. Uh, Eric, and I'm going to butcher this last name, Yuzakanma? Easy. Okay, I like done. it. I like it. Done. So EZE and TJ Vasher are both back, which I feel like TJ Vasher has been in school for like 53 years. Um, that dude's been around forever, but two big pieces from the passing game from last year. Is there going to be a third option that emerges? Cause even, you know, Cliff was like, you know, you go six deep on the wide receiver. So Wells still likes to spread the ball around a little bit. So who are going to be the other names to, to see in that wide receiver room? Yeah, I would say Wells actually spreads the ball even better than Kingsbury. He's uh, very similar to the Neil Brown offense we had back in like the early 2010s to where you're seeing a lot of screens, a lot of like balls being spread. And that's the reason why T.J. Vasher didn't have that good year last year as he could have because he's – T.J. Vasher I actually think this prop might be the most talented receiver in the conference. Um, just, very good. You know, just skill-wise, talent. Yeah. He is extremely talented. Yeah. He could have went to the NFL after his sophomore year um, but came back and didn't have a great junior year because of, I think, in my opinion, because of the system. It doesn't really play towards, you know, Kingsbury where, you know, you had a guy. You had Kiki Kuti, you had Jakeem Grant, you had a guy. Um, this one more so spreads it out. Because of that, you, you start seeing some other receivers like Dalton Rigdon. Dalton Rigdon had a really good year last year, um, despite the fact that <laughs> I got – Texas Tech Twitter got after me because I said he wasn't very fast, but because um, I don't think he's very fast. McLean Mannix, who is actually fast, there's also another guy that's going to be spread the ball around. Miller Royals is another guy. And a guy that I think everybody should watch out for because he is speed epitomized is Kashawn Carter, who's on the national championship Texas Tech track team. Um, so I, I think he's going to actually have a – if, if I had to pick a guy that I think is just going to blossom next year, it would be Kashawn Carter because of that speed, because of his ability. Um, but, I, I, again, I think even though TJ Vasher is very talented, I, I think he's probably going to have a similar year he had last year because of the offense. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I'd love to see who's going to step up. I just want to see if TJ Vasher has a highlight Moss one-handed catch it not come uh, against Texas. <laughs> just just as long as it doesn't come against Texas. I love a good highlight. Like, that That was a, a great – I've watched it multiple times just because it's like, man, who was it again? Oh, Ole Miss. He just, he just mossed him. Um, old Moss. Before we move on, can we talk about the potential of Maverick McIver throwing to McLean Mannix? Can we talk about that for just half a second? Like, if, if there is a – If you know there's one thing we're good for, it's name. Like, like, we got the best names. McIver to Mannix sounds like the like the worst crossover episode from, like, 1970s NBC late night. 
Like <laughs> what MacGyver to Manix. Like that's what that's that's what I'm anticipating and hoping for uh, in fall 2020. That's that's beautiful. As the person who writes the uh, the better know a roster segment of the Texas pregamer every year, where I basically do no roster analysis other than make fun of the names on the roster, I always look forward to a tech week. Um, I will say, uh, you know, I Iowa State. Iowa State, especially when they had the chances, you know, were, were great. But Tech is just consistent. They don't. They always stay at that uh, that that West Texas plateau. See y'all, are, y'all are Texas. Don't get me wrong, but y'all kind of y'all a little bougie over there. We got the best <laughs> Texas, like the Texan name, right? We have Jet Duffy on the team right now. We got a guy named Travis Koontz, right? We got the best name. Names is just that's what we do. Uh, Only uh, names could win you games. I'll, I'll show you a segue as well as a re- rebuttal here. We we had a guy named Lil Jordan Humphrey, and he went to a high school. Um, you, know, and, you know I love me some Lil Jordan. Uh, he's going to break out the NFL if there is an NFL, just just eventually. Give him the ball. Um, but he went to high school the Dallas area, another Dallas area talent uh, who emerged for Tech last year, probably, I think, a, a shocking if in all our folks who – uh, follow the DFW recruiting out of Carrollton. Sir Roderick Thompson, not a huge recruit, um, but turned out to be a great a great player that uh, that Tech unearthed last year. I think 750 plus uh, rushing yards and 12 TDs. Um, is he the guy? Is he just uh, the the safety valve to take the pressure off the passing game? Yeah, I think he's he's the guy. And it's 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 actually interesting because he was not like you said wasn't highly touted. I when he got here, I was kind of like, man, who is this? Like, <laughs> you know, Tazon Henry was the big running back recruit. He was the one we all wanted. He was the late pickup we got. You know, Matt Wells did a great job of making sure he stayed on. Or actually, he's the one that recruited him. Actually, I wouldn't even say stayed on. He only he got recruited by really Matt Wells. And that for that year though, last year it was Sir Roderick. Sir Roderick was the main guy for us. And now Tazon's not even on the team. So um, Sir Roderick is like he he right. I think right now with you know, with Tazon leaving, with um, uh, Jet Duffy no longer being there, Armand Shine no longer being there, it's kind of Sir Roderick's ball to carry. And I, don't, I think he's not even just a safety valve. It's him. I mean, I I look at him next year, could be the first thousand yard rusher we've had in a while. Like I think that's how much we're going to lean on him. So let's we'll switch sides because the. Tech has not been known for defense since I've been cognizant of football. Um, I think it was 2012 you guys were were first in the conference and then it's been downhill ever since Uh, (laughs) um, but so defensively Jordan Brooks is gone who was uh, like first round draft pick like that's heck of a talent Um, now is in Seattle so we're going to actually claim him as one of ours because the the Seattle Longhorns are a real thing Um, he led the team by more than 30 tackles at a conference high. This was dumb. 20 tackles for loss from the linebacker position. So, like, how does how does Texas Tech try to replace that production? And honestly, more importantly, like, his leadership on, on the defense. How does Texas Tech try to replace that production? We don't. <laughs> that's, that's how. He's been the best player in our defense for the last four years. The only other person that I can think of that even comes close is, of course, Dakota Allen, who also got drafted the year before. Um, so like with those two guys gone, I mean, the, the quick answer is that we don't we replace it. The guy that everybody's going to bring up is Rico. Jeffrey. Rico was, he was good last year and he's been good in a complimentary role. Uh, now he's going to be the man and, um, Rico's not as fast as Dakota and, and Jordan. Uh, he is, a, he is a, he plugs the hole. He, he hits the hole pretty hard and you like a wild, um, like kind of line, like a, a wild boy in the middle like that, like Rico is. <laughs> He's just not as talented 
as Jordan Brooks. Now, when it comes to leadership, though, I think Rico, I mean, I would even argue that Rico was one of the defensive leaders last year. I think Rico, um, so leadership, I'm not too worried of, worried about. Linebacking crew in general is, is going to suffer. You're going to have a lot of guys that just haven't been there that you're, you're going to start relying on. So Rico's going to have a lot on his plate. And, again, I don't think he's as good as the previous two. Uh, I think he's good, but you have large shoes to fill. And I think he tweeted the other day about how, you know, Jordan and Dakota both got drafted, so now it's his turn. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> about that. Yeah. I'm glad you got goals. That's good. That's goals great. are good, <laughs> you know. So, um, but uh, that's, I mean, we, I don't see that the production being replaced. The only way you can really replace it is a group effort. Um, and so I, I think we'll see a lot more uh, substitutions on the linebacker crew that we've seen in the past, like, three years. Usually we have a main two guys. I think now you're going to have Rico and you're just going to have, you know, Kosey Eldridge swap out, uh, Mary Weathers in a transfer. He's going he's to swap in there as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just – it's, it's going to be tough. In Texas fans certainly empathize with you. We uh, we we've struggled in the in the linebacker room a little bit here recently, and and even keeping people healthy to fill those spots. So we feel you. One of the things I think that gets Longhorn fans uh, to bed at night is that we do have a good secondary behind them. How is Tech's secondary looking, especially uh, when replacing the uh, conference leader in interceptions, Douglas Coleman? I believe had eight last year. Um, who steps up in the in the Red Raider secondary? Remember my answer to the last question? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, so, <laughs> so Douglas Coleman, the thing about Coleman, I think he had an incredible year last year that nobody expected. Like, none of us expected him to just do what he did. He was a great ball hawk. And what we're hoping is that Adrian Fry returns back to where he was his freshman year. His freshman year, Adrian Fry, as a freshman, was one of the best corners in, in the entire Big 12, right? Um, moved to safety last year, struggled. Struggled in his new position, and they moved him back to corner. So you're, we're kind of hoping that Adrian Fry moves, get, kind of gets back there. Um, we're also hoping a Thomas Leggett kind of finds his footing at safety as well. Um, and, and so se- secondary is a big question mark because I can easily see this group being a strength of the team, and, or I can see this group being the worst part of the team. Like, it's, a, it's just a really big question mark. It's really all dependent on is if Adrian Fry returns back to where he was freshman year, secondary could be good. That's a big if, though, right? And I'm a big believer in what did you sh- what's the last thing you've done for me? And the last thing he did for us wasn't very good. So, um, so yeah, I, I just – I don't know. There's, I will say this. The thing about the secondary is there's more experience here than other positions, and that's right. So, um, you know, but I, I always said during the Cliff Kingsbury era, experience when you're trash. And when you're it's fair. I might get that on a T-shirt, actually. Uh, <laughs> So, so with all that being said, um, it doesn't sound like you're super hopeful or excited for this season, but I do want to ask you, like, if you're looking for like, what would spell success for Texas tech in 2020, again, theoretical 2020 season, what are you looking for? That would like spell success for tech? Oh, a ball game. That's what it is every year. You get a ball game. Well, I'll say, okay, you know, well, we're, I'm happy with where we are. Okay. I think this, this guy is riding, you know, riding the ship in the right direction. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that I found out earlier today as I looked it up. Uh, of the last four new coaches for um, the Red Texas Tech Red Raiders dating back to 1986, three of them have had losing records in their second season. Only one that didn't have a losing record in the second season was Mike Leach. Of those four, none of them had a losing record in his first year. Not a one. 
So Matt Wells is trying to do something that has literally only two court coaches have ever had losing records their first two years. Both of them are the two worst coaches in Texas Tech history. <laughs> so Matt and, and uh, so Matt Wells is trying to do something that hasn't been done uh, since the seventies or sixties. Like it's only been done once. Only one time has a coach ever won his had winning se- losing season his first year and a winning season his second. And mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening this time. Around. I just don't. Uh, you know, I, I we were talking about the non-conference. We already got Arizona kicked off. We had a home game against Arizona that I thought should be a W, and that we, we're not even playing that anymore. So what? What like that's so the 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 I was on a, a different podcast and I psyched myself up like I did with y'all podcast on y'all's podcast last year, and I said, you know what, this team's going six and six. Ever since I made that prediction, I've highly regretted. <laughs> so I, just, I do not see. It. I don't. See, I think six and six is the ceiling. And now one of my six wins is gone. Yikes. Yeah, it's you, tough. You're, you're not the first person to regret appearing on our podcast. Albie. Let's <laughs> just be honest here. That's uh, – no, that, that's probably the best way to, to, to leave the uh, – what we call the serious portion of our news and get into the uh, the fun uh, part that the listeners really come here for. This year we're calling it Hooked Them. Um, Gerald hates that name, so I love saying it. Um, we are – yeah, it's not. It's not. But we're 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 like six weeks in at this point, right? We're we're committed to the bit. Um, no, uh, smart of names. Like, <laughs> I mean, Shaka Smart is a great name, but it's like the Shaka. Oh, so no, it's the Shaka Smart coaching. <laughs> it, it it's fine. We'll take your coach. You, know, you just, talk uh, yourself into it every week, and you yeah. Should. Anytime I can get basketball on a football pod, I will do it. Okay, uh-huh. from now on. That's fine. Let's do it. Fair enough. Hey, we we are we are an all sports podcast, so we we were we could bring you back. Uh, talk talk basketball. You may be more more amped for that one. Bring me back on anything but football. Actually, <laughs> hold that thought. Yeah, <laughs> it, interesting. You'll say that. We might get back to that. I'm going to let Gerald tee it up because he has one of my favorite questions on on the list here. So, Gerald, what do you got for him? So one of the one of the talks of this whole remote season was the NFL draft and doing the remote NFL draft. And part of the biggest conversation of the NFL draft was Cliff Kingsbury dunking on everybody with that bachelor pad he has in Arizona. And so I would just wonder for you, as a percentage, how much of Cliff's buyout is left after purchasing and or renting that bachelor pad in Arizona? Oh, it's gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. 100 of it's gone. Right, but he, but I mean, you gotta look at it. His buy, so they give you get they give you money to no longer be there, and then not only that, your new employer pays off your new your new new employer pays off your new employer to give you more money. Oh yeah, I'm blowing it. I'm blowing <laughs> all of it. I mean, he's actually. I'm glad he bought a house with it. I would have done something a lot more irresponsible. That, and who's to say he didn't? Cliff strikes me as the guy who has, and I'm going to use relative numbers here. Let's say two thousand in the bank. That's two thousand millions, probably in real life, and spends one thousand nine hundred and ninety-five and saves five. You know, because yeah, just for a rainy day, right? Cliff seems like the guy who's who's buying buying things uh, for everyone around him, particularly the uh, the, the honeys. So, oh, uh, you never realized Cliff got the tech. Cliff got to Tech, and they were like, hey, man, let's work on some, like, offensive sets or defensive sets. Work with the defensive team. He was like, you know what? How about we work on our outfits? <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying all of you guys' new outfits. You know the saying, look good, play good? Not true. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff actually derailed my life philosophy because I, I wondered why it didn't work for me, and he proved it on a grand scale. Um, 
All right, so let's let's keep it more uh, to the the ethos of tech here. Um, you're never one to be shy, so I I, I worded this uh, maybe not thinking of you, but in fifty words or greater, not less. Please discuss the aerodynamics of tortilla flight vis-a-vis corn uh, versus flour. Ooh, okay, corn versus flour. All right. So first of all, before you even do this, you got to know how to snake the tortillas to make statement because yes. they're not allowed. People don't know this. Tortillas are not allowed in the state. All right. It's just like the good Red Raiders that we are, we um, break the rules. So you got to, first of all, you got to sneak the tortillas, you know, in your pants and your shirt, somewhere convenient. Right. And then you got to have at least, um, at least one, like whole case of them. Like, you know, like the little packages that it comes in, at least one, if not two. If you're really feeling risky, bring in two. So you bring in, you got to get the flour. Right, everybody says bring the corn, right? The corn, but the corn it is so easy to rip apart, and that's why you see weird tortillas that are in like five different shapes and that. That the problem is with the flour, it's hard to throw, right? Mm. Corn's easy to throw, but it falls apart. Flour, it doesn't fall apart. You just got to get it just right. Practice makes perfect, mm. right? So you, you, if you're a good frisbee thrower, you should know what it, you should know what it is. So you just get it. You have it right. Always be ready. And the thing about it is bring enough for the whole game. Every, all these other people, they pass them around for the first kickoff, a million tortillas in the air, and then it's gone, right? During the Cliff era, you had, it, we ran out in the first quarter. During the Wells era, I mean, maybe we'll have enough for the whole game. But, um, you know, you got to keep it ready at all times. You never know. So, so did, did, I, did I hear something around the conservation of, of, of mass? And when you add liquid, maybe sweat to the equation, corn gets tougher because, you know – but but you're telling me for the true the true tortilla heads out there, um, you, you want to bring corn in, stick to it, and then from there, you know, conservation of resources is that is that a good summary? Conservation of resources. Okay. Conservation of resources for sure, uh, and that's that's the best way to bring your tortilla in and let it fly. <laughs> During my when I was at Texas, um, they used to sell sausage wraps at at the stadium in Lubbock and. I, I got hit with a greasy sausage tortilla once. So did they discontinue the sale when they banned tortillas? Was that something that they took off of the menu? Are you aware of that? I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't, I don't eat a known at the stadium. Fair. I was about to say, and Kyle, you were talking about liquid sweat. Any liquid that's being poured on a tortilla, I tell you, buddy, it's not sweat. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is uh, our, Sam, our friend Bud, our friend Miller. <laughs> Our friend Kurz, you know, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, if, so if you're feeling real, if you're feeling real frisky, a little boot Everclear. Oh, straight out oh, boots. If you, yeah, if you're feeling real, real frisky, <laughs> that's where those Sunday afternoon games where, you know, I have 10 people passing out right behind me. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, but yeah, I mean, at least, you know, I, I respect the G because at least you're saying that you got hit by like a sausage and not making up stories about batteries like our friend out in Fort Worth. Yeah. yeah. Bring up the- nope. It was just it was just a greasy sausage tortilla. It wasn't it wasn't even the the so- I think they ate the sausage and then threw the tortilla was actually what happened. We're yeah we're um you know when 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 alcohol comes into the fray we're not sometimes we don't make the best decisions at times right you know what I'm saying so uh, I was I was at Tech during the leech years that's when it got really wild that was yeah. the leech years when it was- <laughs> that's basically just paleo Gerald that's fine they ate the protein and and, and discarded the carbs exactly. <laughs> As, as someone who has who ate several 
uh, best worst trips at, on Sixth Street. I, I can vouch for the post alcohol uh, sausage imbibing helping out with the next morning. So something I've done for the last six weeks, and I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm seven for seven. Um, former Texas Tech offensive lineman who's a three year starter guy. Kyle and I actually love Brandon Carter, uh, who looked like a professional wrestler when he was at Texas Tech. Actually, was briefly signed to the WWE uh, in and was part of their next circuit or NXT circuit. So I say all that to ask this question: If there is a player right now on the Texas Tech roster that is the most likely to end up in the WWE, who is it, and what would their wrestling name be? Mm, that's a quality question. So it's got to be an alignment, right? Like that's that's it's got to be an alignment. Um, I'm gonna go ahead. Actually, no, it's a Roger. Actually, why am I saying it's gonna be an alignment? No, it's a Roger. That man's crazy. All right, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a Roger. Uh, let's go ahead and I don't want to be generic and say wild thing. That's just. Um, you know, let's uh, let's go ahead and say. Um, uh, let's just let's stay generic. Wild boy. That's wild, wild boy Sirajic. That's wild boy oh, Rod. Sir that's that's what okay. that's what we would call him. Wild boy Rod. He'd um, yeah. That's he'd be he'd be he'd be pretty crazy. Yeah, because honestly, our O linemen aren't as aren't as wild as they used to be back in the in, in the BC days. You know, Brennan. That's that's or, or maybe even Coons. Travis Coons. He's he's a he's a he's a uh, that's big country right there. That's another one. <laughs> Big Country and Wild Boy Rod. That'd be a great, great tag team. Great before. tag team. The yeah. little guy and the big guy. I like it. I like it. You can jump off his shoulders. Um, actually, I don't want to talk about little people in a big world. I still have uh, flashback trigger memories to that cliff incident. Um, but so we'll move on to the final question here. We're going we're gonna to be done with, with football for a moment. We're going to circle it back to what you were originally talking about. Albie, we're willing to liberate you right here. We're going to give you the airspace. We are going to never mock you ever again. We won't send the guy playing the you know the bell gifts at you anything if you're willing to say right here on this podcast space it's just friends uh, and a few hundred thousand listeners can you say the texas tech who has excelled in baseball basketball track all over the the ad's purview except for football are you willing to say that texas tech can be anything but is not a football school oh hell no we're not a football school <laughs> forget that look I don't want to be go back to being a football school if it means we got to give up everything else, right? Like we went to the national championship game in basketball. We should have effing won it, anyways. We saw there's that. We were one of the best teams in baseball. We won a track national championship. Oh, forget football. (laughs) Who needs it? it? I mean, I'm sure the the boosters would love to have it, and the school would like the money from it. But I don't care for it. Who needs football? Is overrated sport. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Gonna give, give, there's a whole movie about concussion. Will Smith was doing a bad Nigerian accent, right? <laughs> Who needs football? We're gonna do the safer sports. Let's go back. Women's basketball is getting better. You know how bad football is when women's basketball is. And now we're like, hey man, women's basketball, <laughs> right? Like this, we have a we have a woman on the Canadian soccer team that played women's soccer for us. Janine Becky, one of the best in the world. Who needs football? Oh, you know, we got Pat Mahomes. He's good enough. Just him by himself. We don't need a program. Break the program down. Let's become Kansas. If we can be, if you can tell me that we're going to win a national championship in basketball and baseball, and we're just going to become Kansas, I'll take it. I don't care. <laughs> Who needs it? Football. Y'all been trying to be good at football for the last ten years. Look what it got you. 
that's a that's you can't argue with it. That's a perfect uh, a perfect answer. Thank you for that. I'll just say when you said Will Smith in concussion, that that was perfect, and it really made me think. You know, let's just end this entanglement that uh, that Tech has had with football, and uh, you know, just 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 get rid of it altogether and redirect those resources. But no, that thank you. That's what the listeners come for. That's Chef's kiss. Beautiful. So, Albie, one, that's incredible. Two, man, if people want more of this, what you what you bring to the table, man, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, please go and follow the Air Raid podcast, where we do a lot of the same stuff, actually. It's a good time, good fun time. We talk about tech sports. Um, and then when Tech plays Texas, we talk about how Sam Ellinger is trash. He's not trash. He's mid. Or Sam Ellinger is mid, Okay. But, uh, yeah, the Air Raid podcast. Also, read our articles at Viva the Matadors. Um, there'll be more podcasts, more articles when there's more sports. But we still- More is generous. When there are sports, there will be content. <laughs> uh, Al- Albie's a soccer fan. We might have to talk off air about uh, about what's going on uh, with with the MLS and, and the, the English Premier League. But uh, So, yes, there are some sports, Gerald, for, for those of us who have some culture about us. Manchester United knew, knows how to lose points just as good as Tech does. Okay? That was terrible. That was terrible. Uh, <laughs> Albie, thank I can't, you. So I can't much. pick a good. I can't pick a good football school a team to root for, whether it's football or football. Or football <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm cursed. <laughs> and on that note, Albie, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us tonight, brother. All right, Gerald. So now it's time for uh, our segment that we we like to close on here in the, in the quarantine times, where we talk about. Like at UT when you stare at the uh, North End Zone at the Godzilla Tron and watch the Longhorn famous moments and instant replays in our own homes on our own couches. What are we watching on the big Godzilla Godzilla Tron screen? Gerald, what are you watching? Uh, so, like most people in the the country, I watched The Old Guard this weekend, which is uh, a Netflix original kind of comic book movie starring Charlize Theron as the lead and. and uh, without spoiling, because again, it's only been out for like four days at this point, or a week for this at this point. But uh, basically, they're immortal, and she leads a team of immortals, and they get entangled in some stuff. A long, long story. Anywho, everybody was really raving about it, and so I was really excited to watch it. And I think I read too much hype before I watched it because I was like moderately disappointed. I thought Shirley, Charlize Theron was really, really good. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor is in that movie, mm. and. Um, Part of my issue with that movie, I think, was, like, Chiwetel was doing so much, and it was so good, and, like, some of the people he was in scenes with were not as good, and so it felt a little uneven, because I was like, Chiwetel is over here giving his heart. Like, he is killing it, doing incredible stuff, uh, and then they go to another actor who's not on his level, which there are a few that are, and it was not as, it was a little uneven for me. That being said, uh, fun little action, fun action sequences, um, especially it's... Like Charlize is turning into like this this action star, and I'm I'm here for it. Like her development in the last couple of years in these action movies she's doing has been really impressive, and it's kind of a new phase in her career. So I'm all for it. They definitely set it up for a sequel, so we'll get to see more of it. And it'll be I think the sequel, some of the things that they introduced at the end of the movie, will make a for a way more interesting sequel uh, than than the original uh, outing. Man, it, not only beautiful analysis, but a, a some superb name pronunciation there. I always skip uh, pronouncing uh, his specifically name um, every time he comes up because I I, I butcher butcher it uh, almost unrecognizably. Um, so I will say um, to transition, you were on the uh, timely uh, superhero 
you know, but but let's say call it prestige superhero genre, like not your classic, you know, Cape Crusaders. Um, and, and I was not so timely, but but did catch up on on one uh, this past week or so that I wanted to just shine a light on in case any of our listeners have not seen it. Gerald, I know you loved uh, this year, actually the one one of a few, but probably the first one to recommend it to me. I finally watched The Watchmen. Um, and, and now if you haven't seen it, of course you've heard it. It's, it's, it was a movie and I think 2010 ish somewhere around there, uh, was also obviously based on a, a graphic novel, very famous, very well received, uh, graphic novel from the, the eighties, I believe Gerald can fill in all the correct uh, details yeah. of this. Um, but what I'm here to talk about is the HBO series based on that, um, starring the absolutely peerless Regina King, who just, the, the fact that she's not like in every third movie that comes out in every TV show because she's incredible um, and, like, you know, makes a, a comic book superhero movie, you know, just so deep and rich and layered with um, just emotion. I mean, this this show uh, is a show that is a, you know, about people who wear masks and costumes and things um, in so much as uh, it is a device to get into telling you know unbelievable stories right it, it is not if you're turned off by that genre i mean if you're really into it you, you love some of the finer nuance but if that's not necessarily your thing this is probably the one um or one of the few that you want to go ahead and consume it's um it is so it was made in 2019 but it's so prescient um to right now in the time we're living in it's almost like they could uh like dr manhattan experience all timelines uh simultaneously concurrently um and Gerald's giving me a nod which makes me feel good he hosts two openers not me um but uh you know it, it just i mean there's there's parts about the the um the kind of um psychology and in, in, in uh what goes behind wearing a mask and what makes people do it versus you know not want masks um that's prescient i mean it's it's it, the thread throughout all of it is about um race relations and, and basically i mean it, it's effectively credited i would say with with the widespread acknowledgement of the um rosewood massacre the tulsa massacre um 1921 which you know is just shameful that it was not a thing we were taught in history books it was actually i think ta-nehisi coach in his in his big um atlantic piece in the case for reparations that wrote about it and brought it even to any level of attention and that's actually where um the show creator uh damon lindelof i believe um uh, heard about it and then like as he's making this show it's like okay there's that's that's the the subplot but it's just it, every episode is great it is deep it's rich emotionally it's entertaining there's some laughs in there um you know some cheesy humor some some kind of deeper humor some um you know some great some great action scenes not a ton um but some certainly um just a really 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 good watch but it is a tough watch i'll say that i've said on the podcast before my wife um is african-american and 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 watching this for her was like it took some time because there was debriefing time and we had about a two and a half hour conversation after it finished um just to kind of process a lot of it because it tears at a lot of emotions um so i would recommend it for every single person to watch i would just give that warning that it is a bit graphic there are some really brutal none of it is untrue um or or, or graphic for the sake of, of being graphic it is based on true things um but it's powerful and and i think important honestly I, it's weird to say um that an hbo show based on a comic book is important but i think it's a really important watch and everyone should uh, should take the time and and feel free to if you watch it and have some thoughts or comments on it to to hit me up and let me know your thoughts uh with uh, on twitter or replies of texas 
Yeah, and, and I've I've said I've talked quite a bit about about Watchmen on on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. Uh, we we did we did a bunch of episodes about it because it's it's that good. But one Regina King is like the best thing going currently. Like, there's no I, I would say there are very few actors that could that could hold a candle to her. Uh, she's incredible. But I think the it's it's a it was almost prophetic the conversation it was having. Uh, in, in the conversation about, uh, there are a couple of lines in there about like, you know, masks make men cruel. And there was a conversation about, uh, you know, taking, taking the mask off to truly heal. And a lot of what's happening in the country currently is taking the mask off some really ugly truths about how we comport ourselves every day. And so, um, that, that conversation happened in like October of 2019. And then sure enough, 2020 was kind of a boiling point for a lot of the, the relations in this country. And so it's, it's interesting to, um, to, to see that and to see that as, again, almost a I, – I, I hesitate to use the word prophetic, right, because that, that has a lot of baggage with it. But um, it's it's a work that, that had a – that saw where things were heading and was able to have a conversation about it early. And uh, I could talk at end about Lindelof and how great of a showrunner he is and how – impressive it was the fact that he intentionally knew that he probably wasn't the right person to tell the story but he had the clout to do it and so he got together writers that uh you know a lot he he intentionally built a writer's room of women and people of color that do have the rights to tell some of these stories and so he was able to lend his um his his name you know he's credited with lost and the um you know the leftovers two two really incredible series um and so he was able to do that to leverage and tell this story. And again, I'll, I'll stop talking because I could talk ad nauseum about the show. But I agree with Kyle. Watch it. Uh, do not watch it with the kids awake because it's definitely a tough, tough watch. And you'll have to have some really awkward conversations with your children if you do choose to watch it with them awake. Uh, but, yeah, I love it. So that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can good folks find you on the Internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Again, you can catch me out, catch me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, where we talk comic book movies and video games and all that fun stuff that uh, I kind of allude to here on this podcast. You can check us out anywhere we found this podcast. You can also find Two Woke Nerds. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Tick tock. Tick tock. <laughs>